I believe we have some announcements. If you've never attended our First Steps classes taught by Pastor Cheeto, make sure you sign up for them. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. It says this, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now jump over to Genesis chapter 13, starting at verse 14. You can look on the screen. It says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you live outside of time. Time resides in your hands. And you, you can see things. You can see the future. You know the future. And we thank you for those moments when you give us a glimpse of the future. And Father, we just thank you right now that your word is evident. Your word is here. Your spirit is here to open our eyes and get us to see what you are saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. <laughs> Excuse somebody. Amen. That wasn't me. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Praise God. I, I, I've been praying for you guys this week. And I've been really believing God that you've had your faith forward moments that God has shown. How many of you here have God has shown you something about your future in the last week or so? Just slip up a hand, slip up a hand. The rest of you, I'm still believing for because I believe there's something on this word because God is trying to speak to you today. And, and he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. What God is saying is it's no longer does he want you walking this earth not knowing where you're going. God created you for a reason, for a purpose. There's a purpose in your marriage. There's a purpose you have those kids, okay? And it's not just to squeak by. Okay, there's a reason God gave you that son he gave you. There's a reason God gave you that daughter he gave you. There's something you've got to do in raising them. There's something you've got to do in, with your life that maybe you're not doing now. And you say, well, pastor, how do I find that out? You look to the creator of the universe and you ask him, God, give me a faith forward moment. Let me see. And last week we started talking about this a little bit. And I've been praying for you because there's nothing sadder than seeing people wander the earth not knowing why they're here. The Bible says without a vision, people cast off restraint. If you don't know why you exist, you do dumb things. So we have a problem we have in the inner cities today. Why do kids join gangs? Because they have no vision. Why do people do drugs? Because they ain't got no vision. Only vision is making it through the day. If your vision is to make it through the day, well, let me get some alcohol to get me to help me to do that. Let me use some drugs to help me to do that. But when you get a faith forward moment, 
The faith forward moment gives you something called discipline. Gives you something called restraint that says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to live like that because I can't get to where God tells me I need to be living like that. Can I get an amen? So what begins to happen in the life of a Christian? God shows them, this is what you're created for. This is what I want to do with you. And then with that, with that vision, faith arises in our life and we're able to make good decisions. You know, sometimes the church is the last one to, 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 to really walk in some truth because they've been uh, different, different athletic agencies and coaches. And I know some of the coaches we have here will tell you this, that visualization is a major part of producing winners. I just saw a documentary recently on Coach Jim Valvano. Many of you might not know who he is, but he coached North Carolina State in the 80s. And they were a, a team that lost 10 games. And they, and they barely eked into the NCAA uh, tournament. And um, they ended up winning the whole thing. They ended up defeating Michael Jordan's team in the ACC tournament. That was an ama amazing North Carolina team. NC State didn't produce any stars. Hardly any of them went on to do any good careers in the NBA. Yet they, they, they seeded the GOAT, greatest of all time, uh, unseated him, Michael Jordan, on the way to their championship. Not only did they defeat, uh, defeat his team, and I, you sports fans just bear with me, but this means something to some of us. Uh, not only did they defeat Michael Jordan on the way there, they defeated the Phi Slamma Jamma of Houston. And some of you might remember who that was, Akeem Olajuwon. Clyde Drexler, some of these guys that are now Hall of Famers in the NBA and the top 50 players of all time. This team from North Carolina State with just average guys, few, few guys. They had a coach named Jim Valvano. And Jim Valvano had a philosophy that if I can get these guys to see being great, they'll be great. And one of the things they said in this documentary that he would do on the first day of his practice, when he signed on to be the coach, every, every week after practice, he would get out a ladder. And he'd put this ladder up underneath the goalpost. And he would tell the team, right now, what we're going to do is we're going to practice cutting down the championship net. And the, the, the team thought he was crazy. What are you doing, coach? Come on. Well, you know, it's an empty gym. You know, it's the first day of practice. And you want us to jump up here and celebrate like we won the thing. He says, yes, and we're going to keep practicing it until we do it right. And the, the players said, you know, they interviewed him and they said, yeah, the first time we got up there, we felt so stupid because he's saying, okay, yell, pose for a picture. And the guys are cutting the net and they're looking at the coach like, you're, you're crazy. He goes, no, we got to do it over again. You guys aren't happy enough. And he said they would stay in the gym till they had an adequate celebration for winning the national championship. And they did that every week, every week, every week. They had a rough season because they had some injuries, lost their top player for a while, and, and dropped 10 games, which is huge. You can't, you can't get into the, to the tournament losing that many games at that time. But they, they happened to eke into the tournament. And they had the toughest brackets, man. They had to play uh, Michigan. Many of you might remember Michigan. They were the defending national champions at the time. These guys had won it, that uh, uh, had been all the way the year before. And now they, here they were, the first round, they had to play these monsters. They ended up beating them and going on in the tournament over and over again till they reached the number one team in the country. 
And they made it all the way through. When they won the championship, they brought out the ladder. And the team got up there and they began to cut that net as all champions do. And when they interviewed the team afterwards, they said it was that practicing, practicing that net, cutting that carried us through. We believed, we saw it, we saw it so much that we believed we could do it. Even when we were facing Michael, Michael Jordan and Sam Perkins and Akeem Olajuwon and all these incredible players, we always remembered practicing winning that championship. What is that? It's the power of visualization. There's not a successful coach in the land that won't tell you they work on that with their players. Before you could get it, you got to see it. You got to catch a vision for it. And we in the church as believers, God wants to give you a, a, a vision of what your life is supposed to be like. I know all you see right now is an empty bank account. I know all you see is that jacked up apartment you're living in. All you see right now is the bill stacking up. All you see right now is the vehicle you're driving. I get that. But if God could get you to shift your focus, if God could get you to see a faith forward moment where you're not in the surroundings, but you're somewhere in the promises of God, everything can shift for you. And we talked about that, that, that last week and the importance of like Abraham, what God did with Abraham. Abraham was an idol maker. And what that basically means is he was a, he'd be the same thing as a Satan worshiper in today's day and age. Something of the worst kind of thing you could be. And God comes and visits him. And he says, hey, quit doing this. I want to make a covenant with you. And I'm going to bless you so much. Your name's going to be known throughout the ages. He didn't come to a righteous man. He didn't come to a holy man. He came to the worst of the worst. And he gave him a faith forward glimpse of his future. Listen, if God will do that for Abraham, he'll do that for you. Because some of you have been saying, well, I ain't walking right enough for God to speak to me. I ain't been to church in a while. We ain't, we, ain't, we ain't up on our ties and we ain't doing this. So, you know, that's probably for everybody else. No, if God did it to Abraham, if God came to Abraham and gave him a glimpse, he'll give you one if you'll seek it, if you'll ask it, if you'll expect it. God will do that for you. You say, why would God do that for you? Because God realizes before you move and do anything great, you've got to see it first. You say, why is it important that I do anything great? Why do I need a vision? I told you already, without a vision, people cast off restraint. Without a, without a vision, you get divorced. Without a vision, you keep sleeping around. Without a vision, you don't stop clubbing. You don't stop smoking weed. You don't stop drinking because you ain't got no vision. But when you get a vision, you do stuff you would never do. All of a sudden, stuff starts falling off of you. Come on. How, how is it that a boxer will get up and go to the mountains and wake up at 5 a.m. and run every day in the, in, 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 up in the mountains and train and train? Because he sees himself with a championship world heavyweight belt on his waist. Apparently, Cain Velasquez didn't see that clear enough in last night's contestant uh, contest. Amen. He'll be back. He'll be back. 
But what causes somebody that's training for something to do the unthinkable? A vision for Olympic gold, for a championship belt, for a championship trophy. They see it first. Listen, anything you're going to do in your life, bro, you got to see it first. And sometimes to see it, you got to stop hanging out with the turkeys and start getting with the eagles. Because when you're just kicking it with turkeys, all you see is turkey stuff. Because turkeys don't fly. They can't soar like an eagle and see the heights, see the world, see the possibilities. As long as you're hanging with turkeys, you just see the ground. This is it. We're just turkeys. We're just going to eat this, whatever they eat. I don't know what turkeys eat. This grain or whatever. We're going to walk around and wait till Thanksgiving Day and get our heads cut off and get eaten. See, we laugh, but you know, people live like that. I'm just going to go to work, get this paycheck, living for the weekend. Thank God it's Friday because you've been dead all week just going to a dead job, not knowing why. That's just as dumb as a turkey. But you got to get around some eagles. We want to be we want to be an eagle's nest here at Elevate Life Church where you come in here and people recognize your greatness. People recognize, man, you're important. It's a place where you can come where there might be everybody around you thinks you're a loser, but you come to this church and you'll get some word in you. You get some understanding and you understand we're in this together. We're in this to soar. Amen. Now, don't be afraid when you start acting like a turkey and the eagles say, hey, man, don't do that. And we get mad at the eagles. Why are you judging me? Why are you judging? You just judging. No, I'm trying to help you. Don't you remember? We're eagles. We don't eat grain. We snatch fish out the, out the stream. Come on, somebody. We prey on small animals. Amen. We're hunters. We go out there. We don't just peck out on the ground here. See, people, we get hurt. Well, church people, you know, they, they're just judging me. They're not judging. You're trying to help you. We've got to be careful listening to the wrong voices. The voice of the world, it's just a bunch of turkeys. Amen? Amen. Bunch of turkeys. They don't even make no sense. They don't even make no sense. See, you guys watching the news uh, this week? So we got Olympic gold medalist Bruce Jenner, who is now Caitlyn Jenner, and we call that a hero. That's a hero. And if I disagree with that, then I'm judging. But did you know I could love Bruce Jenner and not approve of his behavior? That's easy. Not to the turkeys. You judging. That's hate language. You can't be saying that. I got to agree with you to love you? No, that ain't true. That ain't true at all. How many got a son that ain't acting right? How many got a son that's on drugs? Don't raise your hand. Come on, somebody. He drinking. He's out acting a fool, trying to be hard with his friends. Do you still love him? Absolutely. Do you approve of what he's doing? No. The world's got to get some perspective. So we call this one a hero. But then we got this other woman over here who pretends she's African-American. Did you all see that in the news? And leads the NAACP. And people are all mad. Well, why ain't you giving her the same grace that you're giving Caitlin over here? We're calling her a hero, but she's choosing to be black and you're mad. 
Hey, that ain't right. That ain't right either, y'all. What's the difference? Hero? That ain't right. She, ain't, she shouldn't be pretending. But what if she has the same excuses? I always felt like a black woman, so I just chose to be one. See, don't listen to the world. They're dumb. It don't make no kind of sense what we're putting on the news. You got to get around some eagles. So eagles can tell you, what do, what do eagles think like the word of God? The word of God. Okay, get some sense. Look at your neighbor and say, get some sense. Don't get mad if you needed to hear. If you got mad when you said they said that, you needed to hear that right there. Somebody said, you get some sense. So we got to have perspective, guys. We got to have God speaking to us. There's a reason you got the kids you have. There's something you got to do, moms and dads. You got to raise them right. You got to put them on a path. And you can't just do as I say, not as I do. No, you got to demonstrate. The day of sending your kids to church where you stay home and watch the game, that's over. That's over. It don't work. You got to demonstrate. Son, this is how a man of God walks. This is what a man of God does. Son, we pay our tithes. You know, we talk about tithes with our kids. We tell them every time God blesses us. You know why God blesses us? Because we give. We serve. We do this. We do that. We don't just tell them to do it. Say, Pastor, why are you saying all this? I'm saying all this is because when you get a vision for your life, the discipline of the vision becomes easier. Some of us ain't getting up at 4 a.m. Running no track. I'm going to raise my hand to that one right there. <laughs> I'm going to raise my hand. You should raise yours too. What you laughing at? We're not doing that. Because our vision is not the same as somebody that's trying to win that marathon. Or trying to, to get to that other place. You see, you've got to catch a faith forward glimpse. This is nothing to play around with. I believe it begins to be so real in your life. And God did it for Abraham. Before God did anything with Abraham, he first had to show him. Look at the grain. Look at the uh, grains of sand. That's how many kids you're going to have in the earth. Look at the stars. You see that? Get a picture. And that picture came. Shoo, of all the descendants Abraham would have. And he saw you and me. He saw all of us. We're all descendants of Abraham. And God said, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we are because of him. What caused Abraham to leave his family? He was a successful idol maker. They were getting paid. He left everybody. What caused him to do the hard stuff? A faith forward glimpse to what God had for him. Some of you haven't had that. So the hard stuff seems impossible. Man, but if you could just let God show you, son, this is what I'll do with your life. This is the life I have for you. This is the marriage you can have. And when you grasp that, the hard stuff begins to be easy. Are you tracking with me today? Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2, I shared this last week, says, Therefore we also, since we are surrendered by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why did he endure the cross? He saw you. He saw me. 
He saw people from every walk of life coming out of darkness into his marvelous light. He saw my kids. He saw your kids. He saw us going towards heaven instead of hell. So he said, I got to do what I got to do. And he died. Not only did he die, but he left his throne, his glory to become a mere man and walk the earth and get spit on and get ridiculed and got betrayed by friends and got turned on and all this stuff. And every time it got hard, I believe that faith forward glimpse. This is why I'm doing it. He saw us. He saw glory. He saw the devil defeated. He saw the keys of death, hell, and the grave taken from Satan and given to the church. He saw that, so he said, just do what you got to do. And God is trying to get you to a place, sons and daughters, where you will get such a glimpse that the hard stuff will begin to be easy. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because the way you used to live, ain't no way you ever saw yourself up in church on a Sunday morning. Getting up early on a Sunday Some of you know it's a miracle that you've been in church the way you used to live. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's a miracle. It's like, dang, I come a long way, baby. You know? Yeah, it's true. It's a miracle. But what happened? God gave you a glimpse to go further. You got to get more of a glimpse. And last week I gave you two points. and I'm going to continue on this. The first thing I asked you to do is ask God to give you a faith forward glimpse of your future. Ask him for it. God, what give I want. Show me something. What does my family look like in five years, 10 years? And when he shows you something, the Bible says, Abraham, what he did, he believed it. When God gives you a glimpse, believe it. Don't go, oh, I don't don't know if that's going to happen. Just believe it. Amen? God shows you on your wedding day, believe it. Well, I don't don't know. Ain't nobody in my, my, you know, family... Got, got married or whatever it is. Believe, God shows you getting old with your wife. Believe it. Everybody in my family's divorced. Believe what God shows you. Can I get an amen? amen. Believe that your kids are going to go to college. Amen. Cal Berkeley, Stanford. Come on, somebody. You see Irvine, Florida, Gators. Go Gators. Amen. Somewhere. All right, Sac State too. Amen. It's a college. Yeah, all right. We got some Sac State Hornets here. Amen. (laughs) Ask God to give you a glimpse and believe it. Joseph had a dream. Y'all read the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis? Joseph had a dream. Joseph had 12 brothers, 12 brothers. Got up one day, says, hey, God gave me a dream. Y'all are going to worship me. That was the worst day of his life. Worst day of his life was the day he shared his dream to the wrong people. But he had a dream. God gave him a dream. You want to know why God gave him a dream? God gave him a dream so he could go through whatever it took to get him to that dream. You got to go through stuff to obtain your promise. You got to. You got to go through stuff. You might have to give money. You might have to pay money. You might have to go to counseling. You might have to do some hard stuff. You might have to move. You might have to cut some people out of your life. You might have to do some incredibly hard stuff. You might have to get two jobs. At one point, I had three jobs. Three jobs. Three jobs. I was thinking, God, God, thank you. I'm Mexican. I could do this. Amen. <laughs> I knew there was a reason I was Mexican. I could do three, I could do three jobs. It's cool. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph, man, he had a dream. And God said, I got to show this guy a faith forward glimpse 
so that he doesn't die out in the process. So what happened to Joseph? Joseph shares his dream. His brothers turn on him. His brothers uh, leave him for dead, throw him in a pit. He gets pulled out of a pit. His brothers sell him into slavery. He becomes a slave. You think that'd be enough. But then he gets framed for rape. Not just rape of anybody, rape of Potiphar's wife. That's like somebody working in the White House. He gets framed for that, something he didn't do. They throw him in the lowest part of the dungeons. And the whole while he's there, you know what he keeps looking at? That faith forward glimpse. God gave me a dream. He said I was going to rule. So he's in the dungeons. You know what he does at every step of his life because of his dream? He dominates it. He becomes the greatest slave. They promote him. Becomes the greatest servant. They promote him. They throw him in the dungeon. He becomes the greatest uh, uh, helper in the prison. They promote him again. He interprets dreams all the way until the day comes where he goes from being in the lowest dungeon to being in command in Pharaoh's house. The day came, his brothers came and bowed down to him. His vision was fulfilled. And he wasn't bitter. You want to know why he wasn't bitter? Because he had a faith forward vision. You got to get one, folks. Ask for it. Gideon had a prophetic word from an angel. Gideon was the biggest chicken of all time. He was a big chicken. You know what I compare him to? Some of you old school heads. I picture Gideon like Don Knotts. Y'all remember Don Knotts? Don Knotts was like from uh, uh, Andy Griffin. I know I'm going way back on you. That's black and white TV. (laughs) Mr. Furley. Yeah, that was Don Knotts. Angel comes to Don Knotts and says, Gideon, mighty man of valor. He says, who are you talking to? He was hiding from the armies. But he had a faith forward glimpse from a prophetic word that showed him, this is what you're going to do. And Gideon, with a limited army of 400 men, defeated the armies of the enemy. Why? Because he had a faith forward glimpse. Noah had a faith forward glimpse. He had a prophetic word from God that the world would drown in a flood, but I'm going to save your family. This whole world's going to get wiped out, but I'm saving your family. God gave him that faith forward and showed him, showed him in an ark, even though it hadn't rained. God spoke to him. So what did Noah do? Because he had a faith forward moment, seeing himself in a giant ark, he began to build it. And it took years and years Nobody helped him. No rock monsters. Come on, somebody from the movie. It was his it was his sons. It was them. And they built that thing. And while it was hard. And, you know, that one son was complaining all the time. I've got to do this. It's stupid. He'd smack him in the head, say, nope, God gave me a faith forward vision. Smack him again. Hey, get to work over here. And they built that ark. And guess what? Their family was saved because of a faith forward glimpse of the future. What are you waiting for? You've got to get one, son. You've got to get one, daughter. You just can't be one of these Christians. I go to church every week. God, help me, bless me, get through the day, praying about Jesus, let the rapture come. No, you got something you got to do. You got some, some, some work to do here, amen? But you got to get a faith forward vision. Number two, we said this, hold to your faith forward glimpse. How do we do that? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That moment when, when Abraham in Genesis 15, he's, he's teetering a little bit. He has that promise, but years have gone by, 
he still don't have no kids. So he's like kind of depressed one day. We all go through that. Them times you're discouraged. You might be discouraged this morning. You know what God said, but it's getting hard. And God comes to him and says, hey, Abraham, what's up? He says, God, look. He tells him now, let me give you a vision of my life. You said this, but I got jack. I got nothing. No kids. Zip. You said I was going to have children. I don't have anything. And God, in, in a gentle way, I believe, reaches his hand down, metaphorically speaking, and he picks his chin up and says, quit looking around. Look up. And he points Abraham's vision back towards God. And he says, see the stars. Don't give up. You're going to get there. Sometimes in your faith forward glimpse, you get bogged down into where you're at. You got, you know, you're still struggling with some stuff. You still ain't got no money. You're still in, a, in an awkward place in life. But sometimes you got to allow God through his word to come and lift your head up and say, no, no, no. Keep your eyes on the promise. It's important that we keep our focus on Jesus. Luke chapter 14, 29 is the story where Jesus is walking on the water. Most you all pretty much know this. What happens? You got Peter. Peter comes down to the boat. The Bible says he asked Jesus, hey, come out there too. You got to love that. You got to love that kind of believer. You know, that's just like, I want to do it. You know, be that kind of a believer. Can raise the dead. I want to raise the dead. I can have power. I want, I want power. Well, you know, that's, that's how you got to be. Oh, pray in tongues? I want to pray in tongues. You know, most, most Christians, well, that's good for Jesus. But no, you got to, I want that. I want to do that. And so what happens? We see in Luke 14, it says, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But listen to this. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. He began to sink. What happened to Peter? He got his eyes off of Jesus. He stopped walking on that word, come. You know, he walked out of that boat. He wasn't just walking on the water. He was walking on God's word, come. Oh, I could do this. But then he started noticing his conditions. Oh, my gosh, I'm in a storm. What's the storm got to do? Look what you're doing. Oh, this can happen. That can happen. And the Bible says he cried out. Luckily, he had enough sense to cry out for Jesus. Some of us haven't had enough sense to do that. We cry out for a bottle. We cry out for some sex. We cry out for some weed. You need to cry out to Jesus. Everybody stumbles. Everybody messes up. But you got to get back to your source. You got to get back to where you can get get to the place where you can do supernatural things again. It says Peter uh, cried out saying, Lord, save me. And we know that the Lord scooped him up and told him and rebuked him. Peter, why you got little faith, man? What that phrase, little faith, means, he says, why do you got little short bursts of faith? And that describes so many Christians. Talk to the singles for a minute. Singles go to the singles awakening, get blown up by the anointing. Over there, you're sitting on the lake hearing from God, and he's telling you stuff. Do this, this, and this. Oh, yes, Father. Yes, I'll do it. I'll go to the ends of the earth. I will stay and obey your word. And you last a week in that anointing. You come back acting a fool again. Going back to the club. Hanging with them turkeys again. After God just spoke to you. And said keep yourself. Hold yourself. Stand with me. And you was like oh yes father. Why, why, why do we see that many times? 
We see that with youth at camp. They go away to camp and they get blessed and, and then they come back last two weeks in that thing. See, that's what Jesus was speaking to because Peter was like that. He said, man, oh, you of little short bursts of faith. Walk this thing out. Keep going. And you know why we have those moments? We have those moments because we get our eyes off of Jesus. Put your eyes back on Jesus. Tell your neighbor right now, put your eyes back on Jesus. So ask him to give you a faith forward glimpse. Number two, hold your faith forward glimpse by keeping your eyes on Jesus. And number three, endure the cross. Endure the cross. How do we get to the faith forward moment? Because that's the goal. See, I, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that just is excited about prophecies. We get people, we get, you know, the Bible says don't despise prophecy. That's true. But I'm not one of these guys. That's not enough for me to hear about what God's going to do. Some people get so excited. Well, God said this about, and he revealed this. Good. But you know what you should really get excited about? Seeing that thing come to pass. And we don't have as many people excited about the process as we do the prophecy. Because the process is hard. The prophecy's fun. Because the prophecy comes and you get to hear God's perspective of you. You may look like Don Knotts, Mr. Chicken, but he comes and says, mighty man of valor. You may, you may look like you're broke, have no money, but he comes, oh, prosperous son. You may, have, you may be hopeless and God comes and says you're going to do great things. That's fun. That's exciting. But you better make that real because now you've got to go through the process. And they got so many of us sitting in here, you've had prophetic words. And you're behind in it. God told you you was going to be great in ministry. God told you you was going to go to the nations. God told you you're going to do this, that, and the other. And you got excited. And you cried. And you got happy. But you didn't submit to the process. We got to understand, listen, to get to the faith forward uh, glimpse that we saw, we got to endure the process. We got to endure the cross. I want you to write this down. Sometimes the way to your future is not what you think. Sometimes the way to your future is not what you think. It's also not where you think. See, the bottom line, God's glimpse that he'll show you, it should be something that you know you can't do on your own. If your vision is something you could actually pull off, it probably ain't from God. God will show you stuff you can't do on your own. You can't do it. That's where sometimes people back off. No, that's when you need to lean in. Lean in. Yeah, it may look like you can't buy a house because your credit is shot, because your money ain't, ain't thick, your pockets ain't fat. Come on. You ain't got nothing. But God shows you raising your children in a home you own. You got to have an ability to say, okay, God, but I can't do it because my credit's jacked up. Because I've made some mistakes. And God says, don't worry about that. Just obey my word. Just obey my word. And this is where we lose folks because people don't want to obey the word. We want to do things our own way. We still have not been smart enough to figure out that we're not smarter than God. Amen? I think that was probably the biggest thing, I, I, biggest revelation I got early on is realizing I'm not smart enough to do what God's showing me. I can't, I can't get there. 
I can't plant churches. I can't pastor churches. I can't, I can't go to the nations. I can't preach like that. I can't, I can't do it. So God, if you're showing me this, show me how to get there. He says, no problem. And let me tell you something. The ways that God has gotten me to where I am was never the way I thought it would go. It's never the way you think it's going to go. It's never that way. So what do we have to do? We have to trust God and endure the process. The process is the cross. Some of you have great vision, but you have not been willing to endure the process. You fear the process. Oh my gosh, what's God going to ask of me? What I think, the spirit that hit us this morning, that God loves you. If he loves you, why can't you trust him? If he loves you, he's not going to lead you down a wrong path. He's not loving you to take stuff from you. He's loving you to get stuff to you. We, we, we don't understand his love. So when he challenges us or he asks us something, we back off. We get afraid. Listen, you've got to learn to endure the cross because of the love that God has for you. Joseph had a process, but he had a, a faith forward glimpse. God showed Moses he was a deliverer. But before Moses ever delivered a million Jews, you know what he had to do? Go live 40 days, 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years in the wilderness, tending sheep to get ready to reach his destiny. Let me ask you something. Would you be willing to wait on the promise that you might not possess until you're 60? Some of the things God's shown you, you might not possess till you're 60. Are you still in? Or are we that microwave generation? We got to have it now. We got to have it now. I want it now. God, fix it now. No. This might take some time. Can you endure the process? Can you go through it for the greater good? A faith forward moment helps you do that. That's what caused Joseph to go through the process. That's what caused Jesus to go to the, pro the cross. We've got to obey what God says to do. Because sometimes the way up is down. You've heard me say it many times. Sometimes you got to go left to get right. We don't see why that is. God gives King David a prophecy while he's a young man. You're going to be the next king of, of Israel. Abraham, I mean, uh, uh, David says, cool, and goes right out back to the field to tend the sheep for years and years and years. And then he's done doing that. He fights Goliath. Fights Goliath. Goes through that process. Still is not promoted king. Then for many years after that, he's on the run from King Saul. Then even after that point, he's leading mighty men in a cave. All with a promise, with a faith glimpse. Thank God that King David wasn't like us. And just saying, this ain't never going to come to pass. No, he held through it and went through the tough times to become the greatest king that Israel ever had. Can you endure the process of having a good marriage? I meet so many couples. They sit down in front of my wife and I. Nobody in this church, of course. Come on, this is just love, but, you know, we got to see this. So many people want somebody to come and fix their marriage for them. Give us the magic spell. Give us, the, give us the, the formula. You know what the formula is? You got to do hard stuff. 
You got to change. You know what the formula is? You got to do what you don't want to do. And if you ain't willing to do that, don't be talking about you want a better marriage because you don't. That's a drop the mic moment. <laughs> but that's love. That's real talk. That's, I'm just talking real. That's what we want. I mean, we want someone to come and do it. And I've told you many times, my wife and I, we have to work at it. We have to go to counseling. We have to face some hard stuff. You, we all got to do that. We've got to go through the process. And you know how you get to the process? Because we can't get some of you to even see a counselor because you don't want to tell nobody your problems. You got to get a faith forward vision to where you see yourself growing old next to that woman. Come on, somebody. You see your kids being raised in a home with two parents. Come on. Amen. You ain't got to share them on the weekend. Amen. No offense to some of you that have went through that. Praise God. But you know it'd be better the other way. You got to be willing to go through the process. And you can't go through the process if you don't first get that faith forward vision. My last point today, and this is what I really want you to catch. After you've asked God to give you a faith forward vision, after you've been tested to hold that vision, after you endure the cross, the next thing you got to do, you got to build an altar to the Lord. You got to build an altar to the Lord. Last week, I felt like there was anointing in the house to get all of you refocused on your life. God wants to bless your family. If we could only see, if you could only see what God has for you and your family. I know it's not good right now, maybe. I know it's not even, you know, you're going through it, you're hurting. But if you could only get a glimpse of where God has you five years from now, 10 years from now, I bet you'll do whatever it takes to get there. That's in our nature. It's in our nature to be like that. It's like King David, who I spoke about earlier, goes to give his brother uh, who are on the battlefield. He brings them lunch. He brings them the lunch. He sees Goliath. He says, who's this fool over here sweating us? Who's this guy over here talking all this trash about the, king, the armies of Israel? His brothers are like, you need to shut up. That's Goliath. He says, so? He says this. He says this question. You got to catch this. He says, what does the guy get that goes in here and cuts off his head? And one of the other soldiers speaks up. Well, since you asked, the person who defeats Goliath won't have to pay taxes for the rest of his life. And you seen that fine piece of work over there sitting in the palace? King Saul's daughter. He gets to marry her. David says, Where, give me some rocks. Get, get me some. Get me some rocks. I ain't got a slingshot. I ain't got nothing but a slingshot. But I see something for my life. For my life. And so he did what he needed to do against all odds because of something that God has for his life. Last week, I, I, I put this out. I said, man, you got to seek something for your life. Today, I'm going to shift that a little bit to a corporate setting. Because everything that God shows you for your life isn't just for you. It's for others. That's why this thing's called a kingdom. Every vision has to have an aspect of feeding into other people. That's why the principle of the tithe. That's why God puts a principle out there. He says, hey, I'm going to bless you, but you put 10% into the house of God so that others can benefit from your blessing. Because if you just consume your blessing for yourself, you're out of kingdom. 
Because kingdom is about others. Loving God, come on, and lifting others. Jesus came and he said, that's the greatest of the commandments, is when you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself. And you cannot love your neighbors if you're not lifting them somehow, some way. I'm trying to raise up a church where we get that. Where we get that every blessing that I have, it's not just for me. It's for others. We, we, when we moved into the house that we're in right now, matter of fact, before we got it, we sat with the five of us, my kids included, and we said, God, we need another house. We need a house where we could have meetings, where people can come over, where we could have dinners and feed people and, and do church stuff. And God gave it to us, and we've done it. The next house. Ooh, wait till you see the next house. Why? Because it ain't just for us. It's for others. I know we got some private people. We don't, I, don't like, I don't like people coming over my house. I don't like that. I get you. I, I, I get that. You know, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying people just roll up. Come on, amen. Well, I like privacy too. But there's a revelation you got to get that the blessing that I have isn't just for me. It's for others. So we come to the place now where we have to build an altar to the Lord. I want to read you Genesis 13 here. We read this earlier, and it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot separated from him, lift your eyes now. He refocused Abraham. He said, look around. All this stuff is yours. Verse 15, the land which you see. Listen to this part right here. You've got to catch this. He says, the land that you see, I give to you. I give to you. What God is saying there is it's no longer mine. I'm giving it to you. It's yours. You got you to see how powerful that is. God didn't say, I'm going to let you borrow this land right here. Okay? But if you don't do right, I'm going to take it back. He said, I give it to you. People, I pray that you get this faith forward vision for your life and understand what God is trying to give to you. Look what it says, in your descendants forever. Verse 16, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that, the earth, so that if a man can number dust of the earth, your descendants could be at numbered. Verse 17, arise, walk in the land, its length and width, I give it to you. And then look what, look what happens in verse 18. Then Abram moved his tent, went and dwelled by the terebinth tree of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and look at this, and he built an altar there to the Lord. Built an altar there to the Lord. So let me, let me paint a picture for you uh, so you get this today. So what happens here with Abram, God speaks to him, blesses him. I'm giving, you're going to be the richest man on the earth here. And look what Abraham does. Abraham's first, first response is to go and build an altar. So you got to catch this. What does that represent? Abraham is so blessed, so broken because of God's reaching out to him that he says, God, what can I do for you? What can I give you? Let me build an altar. See, this is the natural response to the goodness of God. I don't know where Christians in America get this thing to where we don't think like that. We get saved and don't want to do nothing. We get saved and we don't want to pay tithes. We're tripping because they're passing a plate in the church. And we're, see, because we're listening to the turkeys. I know there's been 
garbage done in the name of Jesus. I know there have been preachers and churches that have ripped people off. But if you didn't know by now, this ain't that. This ain't that. See, we've got to have the heart like Abram to where we get blessed, we get saved, and our response is, let me build an altar. Let me build an altar. See, what does that mean? The altar is the place of sacrifice. See, Abraham, what he was saying is, I'm so blessed, I have no choice but to now put God first. That whatever comes into my life, I can offer him as a, as a sacrifice. Not because I have to, because check this, this is before the law. This is before the Ten Commandments. And when you read the story of Moses, God didn't want to give Ten Commandments. The people asked for it. We look at God's laws like, oh man, those are hard. God didn't want to give those. This is how God wanted covenant done. The original plan of God was, let me bless you and you respond. What man wanted, they wanted, they want, we want rules. We don't want to know you. Give us the rules and we're good. We still got Christians trying to live like that today. We just go to mass. We won't change anything, but we'll show up on Sundays and we'll eat the cracker and we'll drink the juice. Come on. And we won't experience God. But that's good enough for us because we got the rules. No, Jesus wanted, this was the original plan of God. I bless you. And our original response is to be, God, what can I do for you? Are you catching this today? So I pray God shows you a glimpse and you see it. You guys could get that ready right now. If you guys can, I pray you, you, you get a glimpse of something because if you could only see what God has for you. I'll put it, I'll put it even closer. I think part of the hardest job for my wife and I and even the rest of the pastoral team is getting people to see even what we see. We see the greatness that is in this house. I see the greatness that is around us. I see the potential. You say, well, how do you see it? It's part of the equipment of a pastor. Okay, it's, when God calls pastors and fivefold ministers, he gives them equipment. And part of the equipment of a pastor is to see what can't be seen. Yeah. And when he gives us that so we can minister out of that to you to stir hope, to let you know, no, no, you're going to make it through this. No, 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 you're going to get there. No, no, you're going to go to the nations. You're going you're to buy a house. You're going to do these things. That's part of our equipment. But the hard part about it is when we see it and you don't. When we're trying to tell you, no, 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 if you do this as a couple, you'll make it. You're great. You're better than that. Don't settle for that knucklehead. He ain't got no job. Don't, don't hook up with him. He, he ain't going nowhere. She ain't, all, she ain't real. Don't go with that. And they can't see it for themselves. God wants you to see it.